Ah, New York. Whether you're upstate in the beautiful Adirondacks or you're in the New York City area, there's a never-ending plethora of tales to be told. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true New York horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these allegedly true New York horror stories. One year, me and my family and I were living in an upstate New York town called Lowville. It's a small rural kind of town that is about an hour away from the Fort Drum military base, and the only thing that was in the downtown area was mainly bars, a couple of restaurants, one antique shop, and a boutique. The rest were just vacant buildings and some insurance buildings, which wasn't really the kind of town I liked to be in. But, to be fair, it did have a nice festival and county fair every year which I did attend to whenever I could. The only other thing I could do when those occasional events weren't going on was to walk around the fairgrounds for a bit. So, it was one night I decided to go for a walk around the fairgrounds because I was feeling restless. So I needed to get out of the house for a bit, and it feels good to go out and get some exercise and fresh air. When I got to the fairgrounds, I began to enjoy a good exercise walking around. It was getting late, and my workout was about done. I spotted something from a distance, though. These fairgrounds were like a park that had a county fair around it. It also included a baseball field and grandstand. From where I was standing, it looked like there was a person just standing there on the pitcher's mound, and I was asking myself, why is there someone just standing there in the middle of a baseball field this late at night at the fairground? I just thought it was very odd. Then. Suddenly, it appeared that that person's form began to change. It seemed like the person's head changed from a human's head to a skull. Then a big deer antler started to protrude from the skull-like head. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It just felt like it was in a horror movie, because those are the type of things you'd see in horror films, right? I was completely, 100% petrified. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I felt goosebumps all over my entire body, and I was completely stiff with horror. This is the most scared I have ever felt in my entire life. Nothing has ever matched this. I just watched and gritted my teeth until I realized I had to think of a plan to escape from that area. I obviously couldn't keep standing there and waiting for the creature to notice me and come get me. I was lucky that it hadn't attacked me yet. I was lucky that I was in a spot where the creature probably wouldn't be able to notice me. So I realized I had the upper hand to escape when I could. So, I had the courage to run off from that area at lightning speed. I felt adrenaline shoot through my body as I kept running at a fast pace. I heard this creature, or whatever this thing was, let out a guttural scream as I kept running and running without looking back. I finally stopped running when I reached my neighborhood, surrounded by houses where I knew for sure the creature wouldn't get me. I just kept hyperventilating and trying to catch my breath and clear my mind to figure out what the heck that thing was. I don't know if I was the first one to encounter this thing. I don't know if anybody else in my town has seen it too. I hope I'm not crazy and I hope this thing doesn't stalk me. I don't know much about it, 
and I'm not sure if I should be scared. All I do know is that I'm never returning to that town or those fairgrounds ever again. Now, this isn't my experience, but my friend's father's. He told us about this camping trip his son invited us on. He told us the story of him and his siblings living in the rural forest area of an undeveloped New York state. He told us around where he lived was a dense dark forest grown of pine needles. Forest for miles undiscovered, planted by millions of Americans who lost their jobs during the Great Depression. He and his siblings lived in the surrounding areas, and every evening after his mother had left for work, they ventured into the surrounding peaceful areas of the woods and they would often venture around the open woods that allowed more natural sunlight to shine in. However, during these expeditions around specific pine trees within the woods, the children would often suddenly get very sleepy, almost like the sound of a natural lullaby would put them to sleep from within the woods. He told us that he and his siblings had an older sister who would watch them during their expeditions, who would also fall asleep with them. But here's where the story gets weird. This was like a nest of some sort, made with pine needle and other soft materials from the forest. He told us that they wouldn't go further than those pine trees. He said something doesn't enjoy intruders in its territory, so they stayed along with the wooden tree line, but explored every acre they had. He informed us how in these lullaby instances, it would feel like he was floating in a boat being jostled around and being carried in someone or something's arms. Remember, he is one of four siblings. The oldest was 16 years old at the time, not able to carry all of them back by herself. He recalled that once morning had come, they were in their clothing, sleeping against a huge tree on their property, and saw their mother pulling up in the morning coming home from work. He and his siblings awoke to see this and were confused about how they got back. When they were often deep in the woods miles from home, he recalled one time waking up by himself and feeling a presence of something that was around six to nine feet tall, with womanly proportions, and a nurturing presence. It was able to carry him all by itself, often bringing them back home to their house, gently putting them down, and letting them sleep before wandering back into the woods. He believes that this was a mother Sasquatch that lived in a nearby forest of New York, probably calling the mountainy forest regions its home. He thought that maybe it lost its young at some point and decided to care for them and help keep them from harm. The events of this story take place over the course of a few nights. But before we get there, I need to provide a little bit of backstory. My husband and I moved to New York City, right in the heart of the city. The apartment was breathtaking. I kept thinking that it was a loft apartment you would see in a movie or television show. My husband was fortunate enough to have a well-paying job that allowed us to afford this beautiful apartment. My favorite part was the view. At night, you could see all the lights from the city out of the windows. It did not take long for my husband to make some friends at work. He's a very social person and being in sales for a decade makes it easy for him to strike up a conversation with anyone. Almost a year into living into the city, we had our weekend crew that we would hang out with routinely. We would have dinner, play games, or just have some drinks with Becky and Jim, as well as another couple, Jason and Liz. 
Both my husband's best friends from the city was a man named Eric. Eric did not have a significant other, but never came alone. He always had a friend that he would bring. He would always joke with me and my husband. Don't worry guys, you never have to worry about me being the third wheel. This turned into a reoccurring joke and Eric was always referred to as the third wheel. One night, after one of our get-togethers, my husband and I were getting ready for bed. We talked for a little while, but I'm pretty sure I fell asleep mid-sentence. I woke up at some point in the middle of the night. I didn't look at the time, but it was still dark. So before 5am if I had to guess, I heard a noise. And I know that is when I woke up. I just laid in bed, feeling a bit uneasy, and looked up in the dark room. I thought I could see a figure of some kind in the corner. The more I tried to focus, the harder it was to see. I felt as if I could almost hear something, like breathing or wheezing. After just a few minutes, I felt much better and chalked it up to a vivid nightmare and rolled back over. I was too scared in the moment. I didn't want to get up to go look, and I did not want to wake up my husband for something that was probably a giant overreaction. The next night came, and it was the same story. We went to bed around 11pm. I did not tell my husband about the events of the night before. Again, I was awoken in the middle of the night. This time, I looked at the time, and it was shortly after 4am. I could for sure hear breathing this time. I looked around the room from the bed, but this time I could not see any figures like I did the night before. I could just hear the breathing, and it felt so close. I tried waking up my husband, but he was out cold. I didn't try awfully hard because he had to wake up in about an hour for work. I didn't sleep well for the rest of the night, and I woke up with him in the morning and did not want to stay in the bedroom alone when he left. I moved to the living room and slept on the couch for a couple of hours. The day was miserable. I couldn't shake this weird feeling for the entire day. Around 2 in the afternoon I took a shower. When I turned the shower off and was drying my hair in the bathroom, I heard something from outside the bathroom door. I froze in paranoia in the bathroom and listened with my ear to the door, but I heard nothing. Finally, I worked up the courage to leave the bathroom and felt a minor moment of relief when I was in fact still alone in the apartment. Shortly after 5, my husband came home from work and I told him about the events of the last two nights. At first, he laughed as if I were telling him a joke. Once he realized how freaked out I was, he began to try and rationalize what it could have been. I have to say, I was insulted because he suggested that maybe I had too much to drink, but that was not the case whatsoever. He then said in a reassuring voice, if it happens again, just wake me up and I'll search the room. This did give me some relief that I was able to talk to him about it. However, I was still anxious that I would be able to hear or see something tonight. That night came quickly and I was so tired from the previous night that I fell asleep even though I was practically petrified to go to bed. Again, right around 3.30 in the morning, I woke up to the sound of breathing, and it was undeniable at this point. I looked around the room and saw nothing, just like the previous night. I woke my husband up and told him to listen. He said he could hear the breathing too. He sprang from the bed and turned on the light. There was thankfully nobody standing in the room. The moment of solace ended quickly when the nightmare came true. My husband walked over to the closet, and emerging from under the bed was our friend Eric. He sprinted to my husband who was now in the closet and tackled him. 
I screamed in a panic, absolutely freaking out. I jumped from the bed and tried to make a run for the door. My plan was to just yell in the hallway until someone hopefully heard me. I did not even make it to the door before Eric had caught me. I screamed as loud as I could, and thankfully in that moment, my husband sprang out and tackled Eric. I ran to the cell phone and called the police. My husband is a large man and was able to get Eric on the ground and keep him there until the cops showed up. To the police's credit, they showed up pretty fast. My husband only had minor scrapes and bruises, but had a big knot on his head. When the cops were arresting Eric, we could hear him saying, I didn't want to be the third wheel anymore. I just didn't want to be the third wheel anymore. What is even more disturbing is that he told the police that he was inside of our apartment for a couple of days. He had somehow stolen my husband's key and made a copy of it. He was apparently breaking into the apartment for weeks, but had been staying during the night for the last few days. I'm not sure why he did not try anything while we were sleeping, or why he was even doing this. It still freaks me out to think that this man was inches away from where I slept. We are now back in my hometown, and not living in the city anymore. The terror you feel being trapped that high up in the sky, with nowhere to run, has made me extremely claustrophobic. You never know what people are truly capable of, even people you consider close friends. The police did inform us that Eric stated he didn't intend to hurt either of us that night, but the look in his eyes told a completely different story. Hey Swamp Folk, today's episode was sponsored by my good friends over at HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh, you might ask? Well, if you're unfamiliar, with HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip those hectic grocery store trips and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep these things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more time being festive with the family. HelloFresh offers over 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Their ingredients are fresh and travel to you straight from the farm within a week every single time so you get the convenience without skimping on the quality. As fall transitions into winter, there's nothing better than cozying up with a comforting, home-cooked meal. Recipes like chicken ramen and shoyu-style broth or turkey ragu gnocchi make it a no-brainer to skip out on paying for takeout. Honestly, I've been using HelloFresh for over two years now. It's something that has helped me a ton with my meal prep and my workout routines and such like that, and I really do think you guys would benefit from this. So, if you're looking to join me and many others in the swamp, go to HelloFresh.com slash swamped 14 and use code SWAMP14 for up to 14 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's right, go to HelloFresh.com slash SWAMPED14 and use code SWAMPED14 for up to 14 free meals and 3 free gifts. I'm telling you, you're going to find out why this is America's number one meal kit and you're going to be hooked, just like me. Whenever I tell people that I'm from New York, they assume New York City, but in fact there are plenty of other beautiful places in the state to live. I live out of state now, but during the events of this story I still lived in upstate New York. Anybody who is familiar with upstate knows that there are some amazing places to hike. 
About three years ago, my friend Summer and I decided to go on a hike. We drove out about an hour or so from our hometown and found a beautiful, nice long trail to explore, and drove almost right into the woods. There was a couple of beat-down houses on the road, but nothing that would really have stopped us or made us feel like we were trespassing. Summer was good about navigating forests, being able to identify poison ivy and just keeping exceptionally good bearings, which is good because I felt like I was horrible at that kind of stuff. We traversed for about 45 minutes or so off the main road into the woods. It was gorgeous exploring these woods that looked untouched by humans. Then, out of nowhere, the most peculiar thing happened. 40 minutes off the main road, in the woods, was a bench. But the bench was destroyed and dirty. If I were to sit on the bench, it probably would collapse. We took photos of this strangely forgotten bench and continued on our journey. Probably about 50 yards away, we approached a small chain fence that seemed to be stretching on for quite a few yards. Behind the fence were these small huts. That's really the only way I can describe them. The huts were built with wood, metal, wire fencing, street signs, pretty much anything you could think of were used for walls for these tiny little buildings. Pretty creeped out at this point, Summer and I approached the small buildings. They were completely taken over by nature and inside there was a single chair, some lockers, and tons of decay and debris. We kept walking, and eventually approached these two giant black tubes that almost looked like pillars of some kind. Against our better judgment, we kept exploring and asking ourselves the question, what is all of this? The compound, or whatever you would want to call it, really opened after the black tubes. There were now dozens of these small little huts, our next big moment of disbelief was the giant pile of debris that sat in the middle of all of these huts. There were telephone poles, all smashed up and broken. But on these wooden beams that lay in the dirt, there were light switches and wires and all kinds of stuff. Whatever this creepy place was had electricity at one point. The only thing that gave us some peace of mind was that there was no way anybody could have lived there now. It looked like it had been long abandoned since the 1960s or something like that. I only say that because there were statues and trash items that really looked like that style. We started to look a bit more in depth into some of these small huts. There were statues of Santa Claus everywhere, religious iconography, and fake flowers. At every turn, there was something different and strange. There was a bus that seemed like it was cut in half and inside was furnished with chairs and lights that were completely covered in moss and vines now. On the far side of the compound were severely overgrown weeds and parked in the weeds was an old truck. Again, this truck had all sorts of weeds, bushes, and all kinds of things growing out of the windows and doors. We made our way to what seemed like the end of all this craziness, but it just got weirder. There were tons of naked mannequins all over the place. They were hanging in trees in the weeds, half buried in the dirt. They also had no heads, which was deeply unsettling. Coming from the other direction, we saw a somewhat bigger hut than the others. Just to give you a bit of context in case I was not clear, these huts I am describing are maybe big enough for a small child to live in. They were smaller than most cars, but this one hut, it was slightly more than double the size, and on the far side of the hut, was what appeared to be a hollowed out oil drum. 
The small building was filled with tons of religious statues and carnival equipment, like old circus items. The feeling Summer and I had at this point was that of paranoia and fear. We decided we had seen enough and that it was time to go. As we approached the first set of huts, we heard shuffling coming from within the small compound. We froze completely in our tracks. We were so off the road and in the middle of the woods, clearly nobody could be here. But we, we heard the shuffling. This could have easily been a deer or any other number of animals that made these woods their home. But she and I both knew. We, we both had the same feeling. A feeling of just darkness and pain. We did not want to wait and see what it was. We decided to move rather than stay in place and run far from this place. We made it back to the car in about 20 minutes, which is about half the time it took us to get to these huts. We got to the car and were greeted by some cops. The cops told us that somebody called in a complaint about some kids who were trespassing and were up to no good. We explained to them what was in there and even tried to show them some pictures, but they were not having it. Basically, they told us to leave immediately. If we did not, we would get detained, which we both thought was extremely excessive. If anybody out there has ever had any sort of encounter like this, have ever, have ever seen anything like this, what do you think it could be? Did we maybe stumble upon some kind of home circus? Perhaps workers of some kind? The only thing that made it so outlandish was how deep it was into the woods and how far away it was from any kind of town or city. I have never been back, and I have no desire to ever go back. I am writing this in hopes that somebody has stumbled across something similar, or may have some additional information. This happened about 13 years ago, when I was a sophomore in college attending a liberal art school in Suffolk County, New York. Within the first month or two of my freshman year, I had found myself in a very tight-knit group of fellow theater geeks, six guys, myself included, and one girl. And they all loved horror movies and ghost stories. I had found my crew. Freshman year was tough, but we all held each other up and made the whole experience a bunch more enjoyable. At the beginning of sophomore year, we decided that in October, as the Halloween season was ramping up, we would find a creepy wooded spot in a nearby town some night and scare ourselves. We did some research and found that there was a particularly isolated area about 30 minutes away, infamous for paranormal sightings. This was perfect. The seven of us split into two different cars and headed out for the night. Allow me to set the scene. You turn off a busy main road, flooded with strip malls and restaurants and whatnot, and you are almost immediately greeted by complete darkness. Again, this area is heavily wooded. It was essentially a large web of winding roads surrounded by trees. Very few street lights and very few houses. Without a GPS or a good sense of direction, one could easily get lost out here. We all made sure to have our phones fully charged and brand new batteries in our flashlights, just in case. But the goal was to keep driving until we collectively decided to pull over and go exploring. So, per the directions, we made a left off the main road, driving for 30 minutes or so into this dark network, picking directions at random, just getting intentionally lost, so to speak. Our cars made a turn, and to our surprise, there was a huge log in front of us. We had reached a dead end of some kind, but nothing but trees were beyond it. We all got out to see exactly what this was. 
we stepped over the log onto the two narrow trails leading in different directions. This seemed like as good a time as ever to grab our flashlights and do some amateur ghost hunting. We flipped a coin and set off on the trail to the right. The trail was so narrow that we had to walk in a single file line to avoid getting whacked by branches. For whatever reason, I ended up in the back. I'm usually rational and level-headed, but I had to say, the further we went in, the more I was overcome with an uneasy feeling. I kept hearing sounds deep in the woods, unable to shake the feeling we were being watched. But I seemed to be the only one who heard these things, so I shrugged it off as my imagination being overactive. And, in any case, the whole point of us being out here was to get scared, right? Not to mention the fact that we were seven able-bodied college students. What could we possibly come across that could take us all down? We headed down this trail for about 20 minutes, and just when I thought it would never end, we came to a massive clearing. And I mean massive. It was a large open field of unkept grass, comparable in scope to a golf course, but not nearly as well manicured. Trees surrounded the entire field, which was so large, we could not see the end of it from where we were standing. I was thrilled to get out of that narrow trail but I don't think any of us were expecting to find an area so vast. One of us looked to the right and said, Hey, check that out. We all turned and we saw that there was an old dilapidated house several hundred yards away. The house was completely dark with no cars or signs of anyone living there. We walked over and shined our flashlights at it, and sure enough, the windows and doors were all boarded up. I managed to peer between the boards of one of the windows and what I could see was an old white couch covered in plastic, but an otherwise empty room. Whoever used to live here, they were long gone. Because there was no way in, and because we all felt sufficiently creeped out by the house as it was, we decided to walk closer to the trail we had come in from, and have a seat in the field and figure out where to go next. We walked towards the narrow trail, but before we could sit, my friend Mark stopped what he was doing. His expression dropped and he pointed. We all turned, and on the very far side of the field, directly across from where we had come in, we could see a tall, lanky, and pale person dancing among the trees. And by dancing, I mean kind of like skipping around, grabbing a tree, swinging around it, and then doing the same to another tree. Basically a do-si-do. The moon was so bright and the woods were so dark, it took a second for us to really understand what we were looking at. Jay, the 6'4 skeptic of the group, wasn't seeing it. I leaned into him, pointed in the direction, and said, Jay, look where I'm pointing. Don't you see that? He squinted a bit, and the second he saw it, he gasped with everything he had, clutched my arm, and whispered, What the heck is that? What happened next sent shockwaves through all of us. Whatever this was... Whoever this was, they stopped dancing, looked in our direction, and started charging straight towards us. Without even thinking, we freaked out and ran back to the trail. Yet again, Jay was the only one who didn't see it. He shouted after us, Guys, what is it? Where are you going? After about 15 seconds of running like hell, I heard Jay scream, Holy crap! I looked back and I saw his flashlight following the rest of us into the trail. While the walk into the woods took about 20 minutes, we made it back to our two cars, hopped in and were peeling away and closer to five. Once we were safe and felt like we were a good distance away, we pulled over, got out, and checked with each other to make sure everybody was okay. 
My heart was pounding, and I know everyone else was feeling the same way. Nearly 15 years later, we're all still friends, living in different states yet keeping in touch through marriages, divorces, children, etc. But occasionally, out of the blue, one of us will send a group text to the others, something to the effect of, the woods. That really happened, right? It most certainly did. That experience is always in the back of my mind, and I'm pretty sure it always will be. Here's the thing that still really resonates with me that night. Whoever that was, they were dancing maniacally in the woods at one in the morning, and then ran directly for a group of young adults, not at all phased by the fact that they were severely outnumbered. Did he know we were there from the second we parked? Was he the sound that I kept hearing when we were walking on the trail? Whatever the case may be, when he came for us that night, you can be sure none of us wanted to stick around to see what he was truly capable of. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from New York. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube will promote it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the channel, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at SwampDweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. It's incredibly helpful to the Swamp to keep making these videos every single day. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and potentially giving us a 5-star rating over on Apple Podcast, maybe check out the merch store. We have everything from t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threats. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. Honestly, it's always so hard for me to pick a favorite, and I bet it is for you too. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting The Swamp. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.